This podcast is a production of the Healthy Mormon Journeys Foundation, a nonprofit that offers no cost counseling for families in need. HMJ is dedicated to keeping marriages, families, and all relationships strong during faith journeys or growing differences in belief because love is more important than disagreements over religion. I'm here now to listen and give impartial relationship advice to callers. If you'd like to call in with your question, reach out to mormonjourneys.org. This podcast relies solely on the support of listeners like you. All donations are 100% tax-deductible, and HMJ will use all funds to produce this podcast and offer free counseling for those who cannot afford it. Thank you for your support. Rational Rational faiths. Faiths. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rational Face Podcast. I am here tonight with our host, Leah Marie, and we have a special guest, and I'll let Leah Marie introduce her in for us. Go ahead. Okay, we have Dr. Christy Money with us, and um, just a quick introduction for her. She received her PhD from uh, BYU's counseling program and uh, she is the host and I guess one of the founders of the uh, Healthy Mormon Journeys podcast where she uh, helps people um, navigate faith crisis and and relationships in faith crisis is so anyway hi Christy hey Leah Hey, Miguel, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Okay, Christy, why don't you um, get us started by telling telling us a little bit about what the Healthy Mormon Journeys Foundation is? Well, sure. So it's it's here to, to keep relationships from falling apart when one or both go through a faith journey that can be an incredible strain and stress on relationships. And I've seen it personally. I've seen it over the years as a counselor and I I wanted to do something about it. And I'm, I'm a writer. I, I love to write. So I, I had these workbooks that I thought could, could help a lot of people and they're easily shareable. And that is, that is what I do. Um, my day job is, is a bit different. I'm doing, well, at, at the moment I'm doing neuropsych assessments and hope to start a practice, a private practice about that in, in Texas. So, uh, not too related to what I, what I do. I, I call this my, my night job. So, um, up a lot with twins. So it's, it's nice to, to do my part to try to help the Mormon community. Yeah. So up a lot with twins and one on the way, right? Am I allowed to say that? 
Of course. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> so you're, it's, you're about to have a lot more, uh, more hours awake at night, right? Right. And no, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you reminded me because, you know, sometimes I need to be reminded it's still a shock. <laughs> and, um, surprise. Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay, when you talk about, um, you know, families being torn apart amidst these faith crises, can you give us an example of what you're talking about? Yeah, well, the the first example that comes to mind is kind of what started it off for for uh, me and and those I was working with and who we, we brainstormed about like, okay, this is something we want to do. It, it was um, a, a wife in the relationship had a faith crisis. I mean, often the stereotype is, is it's the husband who does, but I mean, it, it's definitely not always the case. And in, in fact, um, I mean, honestly, I, I think I, I work more with women these days anyway. So, um, wife had a faith crisis and she was incredibly stressed out about how to tell him. Um, he came from a very, very active multi-generational family. And I remember that she really had hoped that it was just, you know, just a, a passing thing, you know, that it would, it would come and go and, and she'd be able to get back to, to the way things were. But, um, you know, once you know, what I, you know, sometimes see is in the stages of grief that that's the first stage denial, right? When um, denial wears off a bit and you realize like, okay, no, this is here to stay. Uh, she, she told her husband and he was just feeling so lost and, and just so, I mean, his earth you know, was shattered then. And he, so he asked his, his parents for advice and, and, you know, then they were in shock too. And then they, their, their first advice was, well, you need to find uh, a righteous mother for your, for your children. So, I mean, you, you have to consider divorce. And, oh, snap. Yeah. Oh, snap. Yeah. And that, that happens more often than we think. And it's not, it's not just parents. It's, it's friends. It, it can be, um, you know, prominent members of the community or, or leadership and, and it's, I do think that deep down they mean well and you know, they, for it's all, it's about you know, eternity for the family. Like we want to make sure that, that, that this, this righteous priesthood holder can, can take his whole family. And, but then it, it just, it falls apart and it's just so sad. And, and they, um, so they did separate and, um, they, they didn't have any counseling. I mean, they couldn't afford it. And it was just, it was such a tragedy to see this, um, in my community. And so, you know, people in situations like this, they need resources. And we, since we all know people who have been in a similar situation, we just thought, okay, what can we do? How can we address this need directly? And, um, just the thought of free counseling and and support materials and um, you know that just seemed like a real direct way to to get services to the people who need it most. So, 
So here let's, we are. Let's yeah, here we are. Let's um, talk about how this works. So when you um, when you because you, you you're doing the podcast, right? So mm-hmm. if somebody wants help from you and to contact you, um, you would you would do a call with them um, and and record it as a podcast episode, or or can they contact uh, you otherwise? Uh, Oh no, they can, they can contact the foundation otherwise. No, not everyone wants to have their story. Myself included for the longest time. I still, oh, podcasting is, is still very, very difficult for me. I, it's not really natural to my temperament, but I know, especially now it's, a, it's a, a good way to reach you know, people. Who need to hear it? It's since, you know, it's easy. You can listen to it on, you know, on your commute. And so it's, I kind of have to psych myself out for every episode. Like, okay, this is, this is needed. Gotta do this. Anyway, so an introvert problems, right? Right. Um, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, half, half the world is introverted. So no, it's definitely not just, um, for people who'd like to have their, their story. Um, told on the podcast. However, I do want to say that, um, if people do want to come on the podcast, there, it's completely acceptable and I understand totally to be anonymous. So, um, you can use a pseudonym or have your, um, have your voice altered. We can do both those things thanks to the marvelous and talented Marco Perez, the, the podcast editor. So nice. all that's possible. Um, and the, and the benefit of that is that uh, each story um, resonates for a lot of people. And so, um, you know, when people are willing to share their stories with you on the podcast, that, that uh, is exponentially beneficial, right? Yeah. And uh Many people have reported after the fact that they feel, they feel better and that it was psychologically beneficial to them to know that this was going to help other people too. That, that was an integral part of, part of their journey to think, okay, you know, someone is going to hear this and, you know, it might help them where they're at right now and, and give them hope and or give them some ideas. So, right. so that's really been helpful for them. But again, not for everyone. Believe me, I understand it. And so, um, you can also just contact the foundation directly to, to ask for counseling and we will take care of that too. That's awesome. Okay. You say we, who else is, who else is involved? Uh, well, we, so we have a, have a board and, um, there, the pictures and names are on the site and you know, some are, are there for, um, for consulting and, and others. Um, I mean, they're, they're very busy. Like, um, Julie D'Azevedo Hanks is an incredibly busy woman. So, um, and at this point, um, I field, uh, most of the, the, the no cost counseling sessions, but, um, there are, if, if this ever approaches, uh, a critical mass, uh, or where, where we are getting, um, more requests than I can handle. There are, 
there are many others and we you know, hope to add more who can offer those no cost services too. May I ask a few questions? Sure. So, um, you know, in the past, I remember back in the day with John Larson and Mormon Expression, they had a kind of a similar thing they were trying to do uh, with counselors and, and, um, you know, offering some, some help when, because, you know, a faith transition, as you pointed out with that couple can be pretty, pretty bad sometimes. Um, are you familiar at all with what he did? And, and if you are, are there any differences with how you, how your uh, foundation approaches it versus what, uh, Mormon expression was doing? Uh, good question. I actually do not know too much about it. Okay. That's fair. When, when was that? Um, what years did that go on? I mean, that sounds great. I just, uh, again, I'm at, I'm relatively new to the scene. No, that's, so no, I, no, that's, that's <laughs> fine. No, I think, I think they probably stopped recording back in 2016 or so. So it's, Back in 2000. Oh. I guess that was last year, huh? I was around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was definitely around, but I, I never, honestly, I, I have not, have not listened to John Larson. I hope he doesn't hate me, <laughs> but I have, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm, no, that's, uh, that's, not so familiar with his work. No, no, no. That's, no, that's, that's fine. I'm looking and actually some of this stuff looks like stuff I listened to back in the day. So I'm not sure when they stopped, stopped doing that. And then how is it different, um, what you're doing different than, um, Ah, oh, dang it! What's the one that that uh, Helfer Parker is involved with? Mormon, uh, crap, I'm, Mormon mental health. Yeah, how's it? How how are what you you are doing different than what what that group is doing? Uh, that group is um, it's just it's more of a network of of therapists from all over the country and so and they you know have their own private practices and have their own rates and the the association i believe um is just uh, a way to um to let people know that you're familiar with with mormon issues i believe okay so, you know as a, as a therapist what kind of unique issues do you think um, let, let me rephrase this question. No, I, I guess I was doing it right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, sometimes I'm not mm -hmm. very smart. So, um, so as a Mormon therapist, what kind of insights can you bring into, uh, the discussion with your client that maybe someone that is not LDS or hasn't been LDS in the past can, cannot? Or mm -hmm. is, is that a dumb question that really isn't? No, relevant? I answer it a lot and we'd it's a really important question. It's like another language. It really is. And even if, and I think it's, it can be more relatable if, uh, someone else has come from, you know, a high demand religion, another one. But even so, within our Mormon culture, there are so many idiosyncrasies. There's so, uh, there's, it's, um, it, it really is, um, a different language. And when you're, coming from that and you know you're on this journey it you can feel like you know a spiritual refugee of sorts and you use it's really important to have someone who and if you can who is is um you know is uniquely 
um, aware of, you know, the, the layout of the, the lay of the land and, um, and how it can feel to, to lose that, you know, that support network, that, um, that worldview. And, uh, even when you, when you feel that it's, it's the right thing for you, or if you are the believing, uh, family member or spouse and you, you're feeling like you're feeling you're betrayed or that you, um, you know, you just want to rewind time back to the way things were and just, just hope that, that there's any sort of way to, to, you know, to quote unquote fix this. I mean, what can I do to fix this? That's often, that's often a, a response I hear and, or you know, first Nephi three, seven that, well, okay, you know, God wouldn't give it, give me anything that I couldn't handle. So maybe this is, this is a trial. This is a test. And, and that I see that more in the, more of the early stages and it, um, you know, it can really tire some people out if you feel like this is something that that God has given you to overcome, and then uh, you don't see immediate changes when you when you do everything right, right? You know, according to what we learned since primary, when you you study and read your scriptures, and you know, it's nothing's nothing's changing, but. I mean, the beauty is, I mean, the, your relationship has the opportunity to change and it, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in embracing that change. And, uh, for many people over the years, and, and it sometimes it does take years, but, um, those who are still, um, who are still believing, they can see how maybe that change, that, that, um, that morphing into something new, that that was an answer to prayer, that that was something that they, um, they're grateful for. So fingers crossed that, yeah. that more people have that experience because it's, it can be very beautiful. Um, but to listeners, don't be discouraged if that doesn't happen or it doesn't happen right away because, uh, it's, it's incredible. It's incredibly hard for relationships. I, I, I was thinking about, um, and I've, I've talked to, to, uh, partners who, who's, spouse um had a faith crisis and they did not and and even if you've gone through the faith crisis i i mean i really identify with this you feel like the church has laid a path out for you you have a map to follow you know what your life how your life is supposed to play out and then to have this faith crisis uh makes you feel like you are wandering in the wilderness and uh, and I know that I, I for my faith crisis, I mean, I don't I don't know if lucky is the right word that my husband and I kind of have gone down the path hand in hand. But I can imagine how that must feel. I, I empathize with the believing spouse who just wants just wants what they signed up for. So what I'm wondering is, and, and maybe you could talk a little bit about, um, what a couple might find in one of your workbooks, but I'm wondering like what specific advice you give to these couples when they're just beginning to navigate this. Yeah, Leah, that's a, it's a really good question. Um, a lot of the advice that I give. In this particular case, when 
when one's partner is feeling like, you know, this is not what I signed up for. I just want to go back to the way things were, um, is, is to not dismiss those feelings, to not, um, beat yourself up for having them, um, to, to just let yourself feel that. And I mean, cause we, and it, this isn't just in the church, I think just in broader culture where, um, we can be trained really well through life experience and through, um, just through how painful it is to, you know, actually go through these emotions to just, to just really try our best to avoid it. Uh, and that can only last for so long <laughs> or you, you end up stealing yourself and, and then it's, it's hard to feel anything. And we, I am a big proponent of just letting yourself go through this and you know, it'll even be more specific go, going through the stages of grief for, for both the person who is, who is on the faith journey and the loved one who um, is, is just feeling at a loss and a little betrayed and, and just wanting things to go back to, to understand that that is an, that is a normal stage of, of the grieving process. And, uh, it's even an opportunity for empathy that it, it's sadly, it's not often something that we're aware of at the time because we, I think it can be hard to empathize when the person who, who you love, you love most in this world is also the one who, um, you know, at least from, from our experience growing up, it's like, this is, they're the cause of this. Like, this isn't supposed to happen. So if it is happening, you know, can we fix it? You know, please, can we just, can we just go back? So, um, but I do think that there's an opportunity for empathy there because the person who has gone through a faith journey, they went through those stages of grief too. They went through, um, denial. They went through, through depression when they, when they realized, okay, this is here to stay. And what is this going to do to my relationships? You know, once, once you're, you're in that place, it can be, can be very dark. It can be very, very sad as you're trying to figure out, um, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to move forward without destroying my relationships? Right. Um, that is the, the number one thing that I hear about their fears. It's not, um, am I, am I going to disappoint God or, you know, is something really bad going to happen to me um, because of my faith journey? I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's some, there's some fears around, around that, but um, the overwhelmingly the, the, the largest looming issue for most people is, is um, am I going to lose all the people that I love? And yeah, I think that's something people from both sides of the aisle can, can empathize with each other about how, how worried they are about losing one another. And, and that, uh, actually, uh, the way you phrased that brought me to another question because we've talked a lot about, uh, couples so far, but you don't just do that. Uh, you, you help people navigate this with their parents or their siblings, right? I do. Yes. And that is, that is for, from personal experience too, having gone through that. I, I want to save people the, the pain and suffering from, from worried, they're worried about losing those relationships. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't want people to, 
um, to lose them. I mean, you might feel the fear and I'm not going to say like, I'm going to take that away because it's, um, you know, it, it's very real and it's a, it's a, a looming possibility for a lot of people, but I, I would like to say that there is hope and that there are, there are some very tried and true of, you know, relationship building, you know, skill sets that you can develop and, and practice and research so that you'll be the most prepared. And, um, and then, you know, you just, you feel the fear and you jump in anyway, and then you, you hope that, that you can get the message across to, to, to your parents or your, your siblings or your best friends that you, you're talking to them about this because they matter so much in, in your life, because they, um, they mean so much. You want to, to talk about this directly because you're worried about losing them. And, and a lot of times family members are able to, they're able to feel that they're, they're able to feel how important the relationship is to you. And that's why they're coming to you. And, and they might not be able to express it because, you know, they might, you know, they might be in shock and we know we can know what that's like. Um, and, uh, you know, in a faith journey, that, that initial shock. So we can, we can empathize with that and, you know, give them time to process, to, to mourn, you know, their, their image of how they thought the relationship would be at the same time. Uh, you know, you've, you've let them, you've let them know that, that, you know, there's, they're so important to you that you wanted to come to them with this and not try to change their mind. Um, but you, you just, you want them to, to know what's going on with you. And that, that can, that can be really helpful for relationship. It's, I mean, it's vulnerability and it's at its most basic level. And, um, it's scary as scary as anything, but can be really rewarding for, for that relationship. Now, um, if somebody is experiencing this faith crisis and they're worried about talking about it with their family members, they could come to healthy Mormon journeys and get some help. Now, what if somebody is a very faithful Mormon and they have a family member who has announced a faith transition and they want to know how to navigate that? Can they come get help from you? Absolutely. I have talked to hundreds of active believing members who, who do care about their relationship with their, their journeyer so much that they, and I, I have tons of respect for people who are, who are taking the initiative to, um, to try to, to make sure that, that the relationship weathers this. So yeah, I, I've, I, it's wonderful. I love it. And I love doing that work. And I, I just, there's all another reason is because it's easier for me because there's already a pretty good prognosis. If they're, if they're wanting to, to seek out help for the relationship that early on, then I'm like, Oh, well, that's, that's a good sign. Uh, yeah. Initiative. Yeah. I mean, that's, I thank you for making my job just a little easier. Uh, yeah. So it's super hopeful and anytime someone reaches out uh, and realizes that you know, I might not be able to do this alone or as a relationship, if a couple says, you know, I, we might not be able to do this alone. It's, um, you know, it takes, takes guts, but it's, it's, um, it's so, 
understandable and normal too, though, to, to want to talk to somebody about this when you're going through one of the biggest life changes that you'll ever experience that your relationship will ever experience. I mean, I've, I've, I've had kids. It's rough. Um, a, a faith journey was, was quite a bit harder. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. So anyway, I've had really great experiences working with people from, from both sides of the faith aisle. It's super rewarding. Now, That's now, pretty incredible. Now with the podcast, for those that haven't listened, is it, is it kind of like a therapy session with the person that's that with whom you're speaking? What, or is it more like the interview style, which is kind of what more in podcasts tend to do? Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, what's the edge? What's the how, kind of painted out for us? Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's not really any of those things. <laughs> All right. And I, you know, as a, as a psychologist, I, you know, I want to make it clear that it's not, it's not therapy. Um, I was, you know, if you want that there, there was an HBO series called in treatment, um, with Gabriel Byrne. He was in little women. He was, he was the the tall, dark, handsome guy. And he was, he's a, th- he's a therapist in this show. And, um, it's basically, they're, they're just acting out therapy for an hour. And I, I just couldn't watch it because it's like, Oh, this is, this is my, this is my day job. Like I am, I, wow. I, I need something. I need something a little different. Anyway, throwing that out there for someone who wants to know, like, know what, like what, what is therapy really like? Um, yeah, there, there's Gabriel Byrne there to help you out, but, um, this isn't, it's, it's definitely more advice driven and therapy is, is, can be quite different than that. Um, therapy is more about processing and, and, uh, you know, figuring out, you know, what, what makes you do what you do. And, and, um, it is not super directive. And, um, the podcast is a bit more directive. It's, you know, we, you know, figure out what's going on. We hear the, the backstory and then we try to come up with, with some solutions. So, um, it's very, yeah, so solution focused and, um, it's not as much interview style or, you know, the talking heads kind of thing. Um, it's not, that's just, it's not really my style. So, um, it's usually, it, it's helpful for people, I think, who are, um, wanting some insight, some, um, some tips on, on what to do in a relationship, uh, when they or their loved one is going through, going through the thick of a, of a faith journey. So. No, that sounds. I don't know if that answers. Yeah. No, no, no it's great. Cause, um, it, it, yeah, it sounds like it, for those that haven't listened, it's, it's a, it's a different approach than what the, yeah, the standard Mormon podcast has been for the past, uh, you know, 15 years or so. Right. Where and which is, which is great. It's something fresh, which we actually need now. One thing, you know, there are other podcasts that will give advice based on what they've observed in themselves, what they've observed in the community, but yours is, uh, more research based. It, it work, depends a lot on the work of John, uh, Gottman. Who, who is this? Mm-hmm. Who is this guy and why'd you pick him out? Oh, I, cause he's, he is the best at what he does. He is a world renowned, um, 
relationship researcher and he's at the University of Washington and he has been doing this for decades. I'd like to say 30 years, but that might have been back when I was an undergrad. So it might be more like 40 at this point, but he has, he has done some fascinating research where he, I mean, he hooks couples up to, um, to, 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 you know, medical equipment to measure, you know, their, their pulse, their, um, their stress levels, their, um, just tried to get every, every measure he can about, you know, what's going on internally, you know, when, for example, when a, when a couple fights or when they're talking about the, you know, some, some memories that they, that they share or, or when they're, maybe they're not, you know, all out having a brawl, but they are, um, you know, they're talking about a tense subject and, and he, he's gotten so good at this. He, he can, he says he can predict divorce within five minutes of, of watching, watching a couple, uh, argue. It's so interesting. It's not that, that, uh, couples who argue divorce, but that, that there are certain dynamics that can, um, their telltale signs. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, like, uh, like criticism and stonewalling and not to say that that's, that's the end. Um, not criticism complaints. Um, he, he talks about the difference between criticism and complaints. Anyway, I'm going into the weeds of it. Anyway, he, he's very, he's a very hopeful researcher too, because he, he, it's not the end. Like, Oh, well I can predict divorce in five minutes. For example, it's, it's um, okay. Now that I'm seeing this, here are some incredibly practical things that you can do to prevent that. And that he, and he says like any relationship, um, there is, there is a ton of hope that if, if you, um, you are willing to put in, put in the work, I mean, cause it is, this is a lot of work. I mean, I'd preach into the choir here to anyone, anyone who's married who's listening, but, um, it is, uh, it's really exciting to see what he, um, what he's doing to help. And I, I remember when I was 17, I was an undergrad. It was my first class, psych 101. Um, cause I, even back then I was, you know, sure I'm going to be an English and a psych double major. And so I wanted to get that all out, um, really early on in, in my, my college career at BYU. And so anyway, I, our, um, my psychology professor who had a, um, she had a, a dual PhD and just brilliant woman, I think it was, uh, in clinical psychology and neuro, um, neuroanatomy, her <laughs> two PhDs. And she, um, she was also, um, very interested in, in Gottman's work. And he has, he has this book, which I highly recommend to everyone called the seven, um, seven principles that make marriage work. Uh, and she assigned that to all of us to, um, to do some of the assignments in there. And most of us, I mean, we're, we're undergrads. We, well, some of us weren't married by, by 18. Um, but the, for the ones that weren't married, uh, she said, no, you, you use this for any close relationship that you would like to, to develop and to, for it to get better. It doesn't have to be a marriage. I mean, the principles apply. And so, I mean, I remember, I think at the time I picked, I think I picked my mother, like I wanted to, to have a better relationship with her. So, um, you know, I went through some of the exercises and it helped. It really did. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a convert to, to, uh, Dr. Gottman and he's, He's he's got lots of blog posts out there, so I mean, you, you, if you just Google his work, you, you know, tons of stuff will come up. But I also used um, 
the his research to um, adapt a workbook for Mormon couples specifically in mixed faith marriages. So um, if if you feel like you know your marriage needs a tune up or you know you're just this is not just if if you know it's in crisis mode right now. It, if you're not feeling particularly um, connected with your with your partner at the moment and um, maybe want to develop more intimacy, then uh, you know, it can it's worth a try, right? And hey, it's free, so <laughs> there you go. So how how do we get a hold of the workbook? Is it is it linked onto your site? Is it like a PDF or how is that? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a it's a PDF on um, so mormonjourneys.org or hmjfoundation.org uh, forward slash materials and all of the workbooks are on there along with a um, a infographic that the amazing um, Carrie Ann Kosky Hutchison put together that that you can use for um, for relationships in in the very beginning of a of a faith journey if um, you know you've just found out that your loved one is you know has had a change of beliefs or if you are the loved one who has a change of beliefs and have no idea how to, to talk to them about it um, you know this infographic can be really really helpful not just for personal use but to if you're you know if you're worried about about losing them. Um, you can, you can, um, send it and because it has, it has guidelines for both the journeyer and the loved one about, you know, how, and, and you know, explains a little bit about how it can, it can feel overwhelming and lonely for both sides. And, and you know, here are some, here's some tools that, that both of you can, can use to make sure that, um, that the relationship thrives, like, um, like things to to say to empathize and and to make it clear that you're not trying to convince your loved one one way or the other um, to I mean un, you know unconditional love and support I mean these are very basic things but it's it's it can be nice to have it all in one place and and kind of like a you know a, a tool in your tool belt that you're like okay if I need this you know, if I need to you know, kind of like your your uh, um like your backup, like, okay, if, if the conversation does not go as well as I hoped and I'm worried, you know, we, we can, we can talk about this, you know, we can use this, um, this as a template to, um, to make sure that, that the relationship's going to be okay. And, um, that's all. Yeah. So that's anyway, um, one a little, a little more depth than I thought, but I just, I'm such a big fan of, of Carrie Ann's, work and um and how she put that all together it's super easy to follow and and really i mean i just see it as 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 something that that people can can feel a little bit more comfort about that if they're they're about to tell people like okay um we're gonna make it (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna be okay it might be rough but we've got we have um we have some guidelines. So anyway, so that, that's on mormonjourneys.org. Yeah, I'm looking at it. There's four, there's four workbooks. There's one called Boundaries Workbook. Um, so here's the little sub things that you have. Boundaries Workbook. See the most common situations people on faith journeys and their loved ones face and learn to set healthy boundaries. 
Next one's Changing Minds Workbook. Learn about some common do's and don'ts if you want someone to understand your journey or change their mind about you. Next one's Mixed Faith Marriage Workbook. Based on the research of world-renowned marriage expert Dr. John Gottman, complete exercises with your partner to protect your relationship from stress that often accompanies a faith journey. And the last one, 100 Phrases to Say and Not Say. Been stuck not knowing what to say? Choose from four lists, 25 phrases per list, things to say not, and things not to say to believing loved ones and those who've left. Or download all four lists, all gorgeously formatted for easy sharing. This is freaking brilliant. <laughs> like, but I, I'm seeing the vision too because it can make you feel like when you're when you're approaching these very scary conversations that that you have a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you've 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 got a you've you've got a plan for how to approach it uh, mm-hmm. to 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 have the best outcome. Yeah. And they're super easy to digest too. They're only, you know, 10 to 11 pages long each. So it's not like, you know, a a 200 page manual here. You know, it's just, yeah, super easy to digest, super easy to send to, to your loved ones or friends. Like, I mean, maybe you're not going through it or you've already gone through it. You know, if your spouse has left the church, for instance, but, um, you, you, and you guys weathered it, but, you're, you find out about, you know, a, a sibling or, or a friend who's going through it too, you know, you could send it their way and, and, you know, with some supportive words that, you know, we've, we've, we've made it and, and I, you know, I'm here for you if, if you need anything. Um, and if, yeah, you're, you're going to be okay. Uh, so, oh, and just, just for clarification, the hundred phrases, that was a joint project with um, Julie Diaz of Hanks. She is amazing. And um, she, she had started off and then we, um, we worked together for the second two um, to make the four lists. And uh, yeah, that, that can be more of a, of a, like something to share on, on social media or, you know, maybe even you know, put up on your Relief Society board. <laughs> like it's cause it's very concrete of what to say, what not to say. Um, but I, I, thanks for reminding me then, Miguel, I need to make sure that that infographics on there too, because that, um, that's just one, one big one, um, that can, um, yeah, also, man, <laughs> I know it's super idealistic, but man, it would be great to see those posted up in the priesthood or relief society. Uh, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking about, yeah. I'm thinking about that. <laughs> That's yeah. a pretty good idea. <laughs> like when, when you're visiting for a baby blessing or, or a baptism or, you know, just maybe, uh, you know, or replace that with one of the, the obedience heavy ones and be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's make them in pass along card size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that would be cool. Anyway, so I'm we're a- working on that. Yeah. I'm actually going to go and I'm going to read these. I'll be honest with you. I- I'm, I- I'm looking. I'm like, uh, there's got to be so much crap here. I don't know, or something. Maybe some things I've I've felt intuitively, and it'll be interesting to see what the the research shows. But this is you really put together something pretty freaking fantastic. <laughs> I, I gotta tell mm-hmm. you, man. Yeah, this is really this is really really great. Wow. Oh, thanks, Miguel. That it definitely makes it all worth it to hear that that can be useful for people. That's all I want. I just, I want to know that, that 
that people are are not feeling so alone in all this and that they've they really feel like, you know, they, they can do this. And, um, I mean, I know I wish that something like this had, had been around when, um, you know, when I had a faith crisis and then when, when my husband had a faith crisis later, we were never really, um, on you know the exact same page. And, and so like, I've been, I've been on, on both sides of, of the aisle and, uh, yeah, and and so in both of those stages, it would have been it would have been really helpful to to have had some you know just something to 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 help us navigate it as a couple. So anyway, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I got more questions, Leah. Unless you do, unless you want to pipe in. No, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, um, have you ever considered? A similar packet, but for leadership, something for like a bishop, kind of how to help negotiate that? Or do you think what you have here is something that a bishop could easily use uh, as well, or a stake president even? I'm glad you asked. And you know, for listeners, we did we did not talk about this ahead of time. <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah. Um, with So Bob Reese and his son, Bobby Reese, and I are working on just that thing. It's called the Love One Another Project, and it would it would be for leaders. I mean, and families too. Um, but it would it's very very much um, tailored for. Um, for people in, I mean, not, not just bishops and state presidents, but Relief Society presidents. Um, you know, just, we want to, we want people to know what's out there and what the research is saying about, um, what, what will save relationships and what is going to really, really hurt them. And this is because Bob Reese, he is a brilliant, brilliant man. He and Caitlin Ryan put together the, the family acceptance project a few years ago, which is this exact same pattern about um, helping leaders and communities and families understand the research about um, rejection for, for gay kids in in the Mormon church. Like how do you navigate that and, and make sure that these kids um, feel unconditionally loved, and and you don't see those negative those you know, negative side effects when when they do feel so rejected. Um, I mean, it's, they just lay it out really clearly in the Family Acceptance Project. So everyone go read that. And then um, you know, he wanted to do um, a similar a similar framework and very practical guidebook um, for leaders and people going through through faith crises so hence you know, love one another projects to be clear this would be materials for um leadership to help a couple navigate this a couple or a family or okay, friendships right. or even you know the ward yeah I mean, I, it's just yeah mm-hmm. either way this is like more training than the church has ever given them right uh, maybe. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're lucky and you have a psychologist for a bishop and, um, you know, but, but yeah, it's, it, it can be hard. They're not, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, a lot of bishops that I've talked to, they've wanted something like this. I think they're, it's, it's something that, you know, they're, they're invested in. I mean, they don't want to see these marriages break up. They don't want to see wards being torn apart. Over or taking sides over, you know the the more you know literal 
uh, you know, this is, it's our, our way or the highway and, um, you know, people who are, you know, just, um, really hanging in there. Um, they maybe have non-literal beliefs or, or are in the midst of a faith crisis and they're just, I mean, they, they want to be part of the community and but are just like, uh, I, I can't, you know, put that toothpaste back in the, you know, in the tube. Like this is, this is, this is for real and it's not going away. So, I mean, how do I fit in anymore? And, and I think bishops, they see that and, um, but sometimes they, they don't know what to do. So, and so in comes Bob Rees, who he's been a, he's been a bishop and a state president himself. And yeah, he's, he's a good man. So everyone, like I said, everyone go read the family acceptance project and then, um, stay tuned for love one another project. Freaking brilliant. Seriously, Dr. Money, this is freaking brilliant. A couple of reasons. Oh. One, because it's freaking brilliant. But the other thing is <laughs> for a long, <laughs> for a long time, I was trying to get a podcast series running with, um, uh, uh, two people where it was going to be like this. And then so when I was started, uh, looking through your material immediately, I thought, Oh, I wonder if she's doing this. And you, you are. This is so freaking rad. <laughs> just like oh. a, my mind's melting. <laughs> I'm like, well, I need a, I need a cheerleader like you in the moments where I'm thinking like, oh, this isn't, you know, uh, nobody's gonna want this or I, oh my, I oh yeah. Oh my gosh, because my bishop, my bishop who just got released, you know, he and I would talk a lot, and I know he he would wish because we had a lot, quite a few people in our ward leave the church, and he was he was an exceptional bishop. But he had no guidebook, you know. <laughs> He's like, I wish there was, mm-hmm. there was something because I, di- I don't want to hurt relationships. And it's so great that what you're offering is based on empirical data. You know, it's not just a gut feeling or, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so much goes out there. And you're like, and just, I mean, I'm not a researcher at all. I look and I'm like, that just doesn't seem quite <laughs> right, that advice you're you're giving. It doesn't seem like a good idea just to burn the whole thing down, man. <laughs> this seems like be something something better there uh but no this is i'm really really i'm really freaking excited this is awesome sorry my bro my voice Thanks. my voice cracked like a 16 year old perry pubescent boy there <laughs> but no, this is this is this is great may i ask you one more question sure are, are you okay with that leah you're cool so i got yes all, i am i got yeah. all, i got all excited now so um when you know you talked about stages of grief uh with the faith transition or a faith crisis um and one of you know often there's the denial when you said that i thought oh crap that's totally true i love it when people say something like oh my gosh that happened to me um but then there's also the anger phase and it seems uh to me that a lot of what we see with with this weird um subset of this weird religion (laughs) it's online mormonism that a lot of people are are in this angry phase and they seem to be there for a long time is what do you think about my observation and if people are in the angry phase what are can you see it as a phase is there some things we can do to help us move on along in these stages of of grief uh well yeah anger is absolutely one of the the stages of grief that that's pointed out in the research and it it happens when when someone dies i mean and people who are listening who have who have gone through the loss of a loved one they they can remember what what that's like to be to be angry at the universe or to to be angry at god um to 
can just be filled with with so much emotion that it's, it's overwhelming and it's usually so it's after it's after um denial and um and bargaining um bargaining is the stage where you, you think well okay if if i do all the right things i mean for from a believing perspective it can be if i, if I just pray enough if i read my scriptures if i just if i'm able to say the right thing then then i'll be able to change things i'll be able to get them back or um you know, when, when you lose a loved one, it, it can be, you know, well, um, you know, maybe if I, um, you know, if I am able to, to do all, all the right things, everything that people suggest to, um, to heal from this, that, you know, I'll just, I'll be great. And they're wanting to get right to acceptance, um, when anger is an integral part of, of this. So, um, my best advice would be, um, to, would be again, like I said earlier, to be gentle with yourself through that through that anger, to not beat yourself up that well I, I shouldn't be angry or I shouldn't I shouldn't be um so um so distraught about this, especially you know if it if it might have been a while. Um I've I've said this in other places, but I, I often give um a rule of thumb of um give yourself a month for every year that you were in the church if um if you're leaving it. Um, if you're the loved one, um, I think, you know, similar rules apply to, you know, how long you, um, you've been married or how long, you know, you yourself have, have, uh, been in the church. If, if this is like a sibling or a parent who's leaving the church. So you, you, and so you calculate back and, and you think about how, how long that can be. And, and then you realize, okay, you know, if, if it's been a year, um, that's not, you know, don't, to not be so hard on yourself about, you know, not, not being through the anger phase. Um, and that's, that is most of it. I would say is to not beat yourself up about, about the anger or to, to try to like, I, like, again, like I said earlier, to try to avoid it. Um, you really, you gotta get through it. That, that's the only way. And I think um, that's huge because I know I've said it myself. I mean, what you're, you're, it's like, you've like been reading my journals, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've said it myself. Um, why can't I just let this go? Why, mm-hmm. why can't I mm-hmm. just forget about it? But then you just said that one month per year thing. And I was like, okay, how many years is 30 months? Like, so I have a ways to go, you know, <laughs> like I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I, I'm closer to 40 than I am 30. So that means that I have a lot of time left before I'm done processing. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. The end. And a lot of people are feeling the exact same thing right here, right now that, um, I I should be over this by now or, you know, what's wrong with me. And I'm here to say like, there's nothing wrong with you. If you're still, if you're still angry that, um, there's, there's really, I mean, even, even grief, like when, when you lose someone, um, to, to a, to a death, if it's, you know, in, even if, whether it's immediate or shocking, or, you know, this, it was more expected, you know, like a long-term illness, even so, um, there's, even though I, I still believe, and I think the research supports, there is a similarity between, um, the faith crisis stages of grief. And, you know, when, um, when you lose someone, um, I, there, there are some pretty important differences too. And, um, and I think, yeah, there's, there's something incredibly, um, just incredibly painful and, and agonizing about, um, 
leaving leaving the fold. I mean, also, uh, you find out in the later stages too. It can be, um, you know, it can be thrilling. It can be, um, you know, something that that you're, you're like a new chapter is unfolding in your life, and you're you're um, people describe it as seeing in color for the first time. So you, you get incredibly high highs, incredibly low lows, and then things start to, to even out over, over time. So they, the highs aren't, aren't so high, neither are the lows. You're, you start to feel, um, um, a little bit more. I mean, some people describe it as balanced, but that, that takes, that takes time. I mean, that acceptance is the fifth stage and final stage. So, You've got, you got to get through all of them and be gentle with yourself as, as you do it because, um, we've, I, I say this a lot, but, um, you know, we, we're, have spent so many years and again, I, this isn't just a church issue. This is, um, this is human nature is to beat ourselves up, to be really hard on ourselves, to, to get to, um, to get to, you know, this, this idealist perfect state where, you know, nothing bothers us and where, we're just completely go with the flow and Zen about everything. And, and are also, uh, you know, and at the same time while being completely Zen, also being super high achieving, you know, we gotta, gotta put that in there. So, I uh, mean, that's just not, not attainable. It's, um, you know, maybe, maybe some are, but the rest of us, we're just, we're all, we're all working on, on just making, you know, making it through, through the day, through the month, through the year, and and hopefully keeping our relationships intact while we do it because it's I mean, relationships are are everything. It's what connects us and keeps us grounded. So yeah, I, um, we really need to be gentle with ourselves as we experience these um, these high highs and low lows. Like I said, yeah. Almost when you said that, it almost reminded me of a like a new relationship. Like you know, when my wife and I were dating, like it was so passionate, and then she could say something, and it would just completely crush me. And now that we've been married for over twenty years, she'll say something I'm like, "Yeah, that doesn't hurt my feelings at all." <laughs> you know, it's just it's just like you're just kind of moving along, and you don't have these huge uh, huge peaks and and valleys anymore. But oh mm-hmm. gosh. Okay, my my last question. What okay. is one piece of advice you would give a, a person who's going into a faith crisis not to do? What not to do? Um, okay, I would. I guess the first thing that that came to my mind is um, not to uh, you know start a try to start a productive um, discussion when you're in the angry phase. That if you feel like it's really hard to even um, talk about the church without you know, your your pulse, uh, you know, going off the charts, like you know, super, like um, with uh, you know some rapid breathing or or just maybe you're you're even even sweating a little. It's just it, it makes you so angry. Um, you know, to give give yourself some time and. Uh, and slow down. So like if, if you're tempted to make a very, um, a very big decision while you're in that, in that phase and, and early on, um, I'd say hold off, you know, maybe write down, um, write down and 
you know, your journal or your phone and, and give yourself a couple months to then go back to it. And what, by big decisions, I mean things like a, a divorce or, um, a, uh, you know, d- deciding that you know, or custody arrangement or, um, or if you, you want to, um, tell, tell the world right away, um, or, you know, move or move across the country. Um, you know, just right at the beginning of a faith journey, I'd say, um, to notice that, to notice that, you know, you're wanting to make some big changes and hold off a little, not saying that might not be the best for you in the long run, but, um, I, I would just, you can't make you know super big decisions while, while, um, you're that new into the, the faith crisis. I like to, I mean, it's not super related, but, uh, you know, something I wish advice I had given to myself when we were, um, deciding between grad schools for, for my husband and, um, uh, and we we're going to choose East or West coast. And we were living at the time in Western Massachusetts where it was, it was like one of their worst winters in 10 years. It was super freezing. And so it was like, okay, Columbia, UCLA. Hmm. I wonder which one we're going to do. And, you know, we're going to totally pick West coast. And so I, if I, I, you know, I could have told myself back then, like, you know, wait out the winter, like just it, it, don't make any decisions about, you know, sunny climate versus, uh, you know, uh, frozen hellscape um, when it is like the worst winter on record. Um, so anyway, all that to say, slow down a little. Okay. So what you're saying is Leah should hold off on her entire back getting tattooed with the angel Moroni with a cross through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I... Sorry. Sorry, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> give it, give it a couple months. Yeah. I'll write it yeah. down in my journal and then I'll wait. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Draw it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Leah, do you have anything else for this brilliant mind that we've been hanging out with tonight? No, I don't think oh, so. Geez. Christy, I just want to thank you so much for um, coming and talking to us about this. I um, I have been so excited about it since you first announced it. I just think it's amazing. And on a personal note, I know you to be a compassionate and passionate person. And I just think you're just the right person for this job. And so I'm just really excited that you came to talk to us about it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You guys are too kind. I really appreciate <laughs> coming on and talking about this and it's a welcome, a welcome distraction right now. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. Let us know if rational face can do anything else to, to help you out. Cause what you're, I mean, it's kind of obvious. I really love what you're, <laughs> what you're doing. And so does Leah Marie. It's just, it's so freaking rad. Here's an idea. And because I love it when people give me ideas because I'm not busy enough already with my freaking life and my blog. But here's an idea huh. for you. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever considered, um, every so often doing a live YouTube, uh, thing where people can fish you questions and then, cause there's a way you can take those and turn them into a podcast afterwards. Uh, yeah, it's a really good idea. Thanks. That's, yeah, I should do that. That's it. Because you don't have enough, because <laughs> you don't have enough on your plate. <laughs> no, as long as people don't mind, you know, a random twin coming up and sitting <laughs> on my lap or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, that, thanks. No, and I, I really love what, what you guys are doing and I love rational faith. So, oh, thank um, you. the feeling is definitely mutual. Thank you, sister. 
Leah Marie, you want to take us out? Um, no. Okay, I will then. <laughs> Yeah, I will. Hey, everyone, thanks for hanging out for us, uh, with us, uh, for this, uh, this was, man, I, I really like this. I'm glad we did this for this great podcast episode with Dr. Uh, Christy Money and, uh, Leah Marie. Um, as always, if you like, uh, what Rational Faith is doing, he- head over to iTunes, leave a positive review or wherever you get your, uh, your, your feed. We're trying to get on Stitcher right now. And, Please, 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 please go visit Dr. Christy Money's site. I put a link on it on the blog. It'll take you straight to there. You can check out all the awesome stuff we were talking about. It's pretty, man, it's freaking great. And also I, I put a link on there to Dr. John Gottman's book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. You have really, I thought I was so smart about this stuff, Dr. Money, but I'm like, man, you freaking... You melted my... This is good. Thank you. I'm going to stop talking now. Thanks again for listening to Healthy Mormon Journeys. If you liked what you heard and want to protect relationships facing faith differences... Even just $10 a month will do so much to keep the podcast going and fund relationship counseling sessions by psychologists to couples and families in need. If you, like me, believe that no family should be torn apart over religion, please consider a donation and spread the word that love is more powerful than fear. Thank you for listening. Friends.